old graveyard, way back deep in them woods. Mountain folk used to bury kin in there, kin they's ashamed of. Bring a shovel. The thing you're looking for is in there. Bring it back here. Some things I gotta do to it before it'll be any use to you. That graveyard, how will I know? You'll know it, Artie. You'll know. Hello, listening people. It is I, one of your hosts, Ryan Slowinski. Hello. <laughs> fuck you, Bartek. I mean, fuck you, Bartek. Woo! You can't do that because I'm the incredible, invisible Bartek. Uh, yes, of course. <laughs> yes, is that what the ladies call you, invisible? Mm. So, we are spitting Polish, likingly, because we are always spitting, and we both have to be Polish, and I'm feeling extra ooey, because it is October time, it's our spooky month in which we talk about spooky-themed movies, whether they be the, the, the direct horror movies, your thrillers, your erotic things, or... Your, your children's films with spooky October, autumny ooh elements. We're here to talk about movies of that nature. Bartek, this week it's a listening people suggestion. Could you remind me and the listening people what movie it is? We are doing the film Pumpkinhead. From what year? I don't know. Oh, wow, you're like really nine, prepped for 19, this one. Huh? 1988, was it? Good job, you figured it out. Oh, you got so. For the listening people, we'll be talking about Pumpkinhead in depth, spoilers and all. So you have been warned. If you have not seen this movie, give it a watch. Apparently, it's on YouTube. I don't know, but if there's an easier legal way to get it, find find it and watch it. It's it's a relatively short, fun little um, horror monster movie. Not too gory, but also a little gory in parts. But We'll talk about it, won't we, Bartek? Uh, before we get into it deep and heavy, uh, what's the plot of this movie, Bartek? So the plot of this movie is uh, a group of teenagers uh, going on a trip through the countryside to a cabin to do the hangout and stuff, as teens ought to do. Um, mm. And along the way, they stop at a fruit stand, which is run by a father and a son. Uh, mm-hmm. Father is played by Lance Henriksen, mm-hmm. and in a moment of uh, tragedy, when Lance Henriksen is away, um, two of the teenagers who are riding on their motorbikes nearby accidentally uh, hit the son, who receives a fatal injury that is slowly, you know, mm. uh, draining him. his life away. Um, He's bleeding out. Father, yes. He's bleeding out. When the father finally, you know, comes to pick him up and tries to nurse him, uh, the son succumbs to death, and he wants revenge against the teenagers, and he goes to a mysterious old lady who summons a creature that people have summoned in the past uh, to act out revenge, acts of vengeance. Um, But the cost of summoning this creature uh, slowly dawns on uh, him drives yeah drives him to madness and drains his life a bit that was that that was such an interesting description but like you you you, that was your description of you didn't have anything in front of you that was yours uh yeah i was just staring at the wall 
so interesting the things that that you highlighted and focused it on because you made it sound one they're they're full grown adults they're not teenagers um because they i think they're full grown adults i think they're supposed to be college kids but 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 you made, you made it a sound... definitive statement and then you said no. I think I think they're college kids. But more importantly, you made it sound like the movie's about them. But the movie's about Lance Henriksen, the dad. The movie's from his it is, perspective. Yes. It is, yes, but their actions uh, you know, kinda kick off the plot. Yeah, I know, I know, but just saying interesting stuff and then did you? I didn't think it drove him like when you say like it drove him mad necessarily. When I when I got to that part of the description, I was stuttering a bit because I didn't really know how to describe it. Yeah, yeah, he felt um he felt the guilt, I guess, not necessarily. Yeah, but like mad. whenever, but whenever the creature was killing someone and the screen went all red, then mm. I was trying to describe that part. Oh yes, he was feeling the monsters. Um, energy i guess because they have a connection which we'll talk about uh let's um what is our history with pumpkin head bartek i'm imagining you've never seen this movie and or heard of it before you're right about me not having seen it but i have heard of it really i'm surprised yes um there was a guy on the internet who reviewed a bunch of uh, you know, games and movies. He was known mm. as the Spoony One. He's still on the internet, but he doesn't do anything like he used to. Um, and he's insane, he reviewed yeah. an obs- Sorry? And he's insane. Uh, yeah, we can say that. Um, he reviewed this obscure game called Bloodwings Pumpkinhead's Revenge, which was this really shitty full motion video first person shooter type of game that completely did not explain its mechanics and was completely you needed a guide to even understand what was going on and it was based on i think the sequel to this film Mm, which i think is called Pumpkinhead 2 bloodwings or something there's many sequels yeah i think the direct one um but and obviously in that film he sorry in that review he gave a little backstory to the franchise and he mentioned like oh the first film was actually this really good horror film and then he showed a scene from it which was the one where lance henriksen was yelling at the old lady and being like god damn you and she goes he already had son he already has so that scene was something that i already knew in my head so when i started watching this uh, it kind of came back to me i was like oh this film's gonna have that scene in it and it did wow so you actually kind of had more of a history with it than i did my parents recommended this movie this is not a movie i grew up with at all it's not one that they ever played or and or owned um i asked them like why that was and they were like oh i don't know we just hadn't seen it we haven't seen in ages and you know it's just one of those movies that pops in there it's like oh that was a fun spooky movie you should do that. Like, you know, like, like it's a good movie. And I've never seen it. Didn't know anything about it. All I knew was Lance Henriksen's in it. That's all I knew. Mm-hmm. And with that information in mind, I mapped out what I thought the movie was going to be like. And I was somewhat accurate. I was like, oh, Lance is going to be the hero, right? And he is somewhat. But he's also a nasty man because he's angry and wants revenge. It's all his fault that the movie happens. You... Yeah, putting heroics aside, he is the protagonist. Yes, yes. Um, and I, yeah, hadn't seen this, hadn't heard of it. Um, I didn't know what Pumpkinhead the monster looked like. I didn't know 
what the pumpkin head um, story was going to be in terms of like, you know, the the law of the monster. You, you always have a law of the monster in these type of movies. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. I didn't know there was going to be a little old witch in the movie. I didn't know anything about the movie. So I walked into this and I had an interesting experience. And I was fascinated reading the behind-the-scenes information about this movie and who directed this movie when I saw the credits. I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> because yeah, who's the director, Bartek? Um... Was it what was his name? Sam Winston? Stan Winston, Mr. Practical Effects himself, the guy that did the dinosaurs in your favorite film, Jurassic Park. Ah, I'll see it one day. One day you will see it. <laughs> Who knows? I think we have it on DVD in the room next to mine. Mm, so you've had no excuse, huh? So, yeah, he's Mr. Practical Effects, he's Mr. Monster Man, you know, he's done the big games, he's done the big stuff, and he's taught the other big guys. Like, I'm pretty sure... Um, Rob Bottin, who did the the effects for The Thing, was one of Stan Winston's protégés. So, seeing that, I was like, ooh, we're going to get a real rubber-fest monster movie going on. Stan Winston's in charge of this boat? And we got some stuff, and I was really thrilled after watching the movie. The behind the scenes is actually kind of, like, there's actually quite a lot of trivia about this movie, which I wasn't expecting, because it's a... To me, it's a somewhat overlooked, I guess, or forgotten or not well-remembered kind of cult classic, it seems. But, like, it's not one of those B-grade horror movies that a lot of people are talking about. So, usually with those, even if there's a cult audience, you don't usually get much in terms of trivia facts. But there was actually some interesting stuff I learned about the movie. Yeah, very, very upbeat trivia. Actually, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, I think one of the trivia points on IMDb literally begins with uh, the key word of the whole production was fun. It was a fun time. What did you feel, Bartek? This is, you know, you've watched it now, you saw that miniaturized clip from a review well over a decade ago, probably. Yeah, about. How, um, how did the movie go for you? I thought it was very well made, it was very interesting. Uh, not being a huge horror fan, I'm not super enthused about it, but I can see that it's very well made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How was it to see Lance Henriksen be your lead man? Because usually he's like the secondary character in a movie. Yeah, I haven't really seen him in a lead role or anything like that, and even then, I don't really remember him that much in any of his other roles that I've seen, which are probably not many. Uh, yeah, he was he was good. He... He really nailed the feeling of, and and part of this goes towards the child actor of, you know, a father going through grief. His his son has been killed. Mm. Uh, the film gives a lot of attention to his son in the moments where he's alive. He he comes across very wholesome. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He's your, uh, he's like the proto kid from Stuart Little. He looks a bit like him too. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like he's the proto version of that. He's the before. Like he mm-hmm. he walked so that kid can run and then gets super buff as an adult. Is that the case? Oh, with the kid from Stuart Little, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> We've talked about this on the pod before, but the kid from Stuart Little, last I checked, got like was super buff and someone you wouldn't oh. want to mess with. Oh. I enjoyed the film somewhat i found it a little lacking um i'm a bit more of a horror fan than than you and i'm a bit more of a monster movie fan than you 
Um, mm-hmm. Not to say you don't have any of that, but I, I've seen a little bit. I, I guess I've seen a bit more than you in terms of that. From it, it, iconic to cult classic. All you're saying is completely accurate. Yeah, it's it's accurate. I've got I've got a whiteboard here, and and the results are on it, and it says I'm accurate, 100 percent correct, factual evidence, scientific proof that I know more monster movies than you. And I found this movie a little lacking. I think. To break it down, I enjoyed four aspects of the movie very much. I enjoyed Lance Henriksen's performance. I found him captivating, and when the movie wasn't on him, I found it infinitely boring. I found it like, go back to Lance. Make this, go back, I don't care about these college kids. Go back to Lance. I liked The Witch. She was fun. I wish she was in the movie more. Yet again, yeah. The lack of her is also what makes her work. You know, it's that the restraint of having her is something. Yet again, when we talked about Legend, you know, Tim Curry was so great. And that's kind of like, she's very similar to me. There's a lot of crossover between this and Legend in a lot of ways for me. Um, where it's like, I like the visual, uh, uh, you know, I like the, the way it's shot and directed and visuals. That's the third thing I like. And the fourth thing is is I do like the lore. I like the mythos and the rules of of Pumpkinhead the creature and how you you know, you play you, you pay the blood price and you know, you have to dig it up and all that, but I didn't actually like the creature design for Pumpkinhead. I didn't even like Pumpkinhead as a character because in these monster movies, the good ones the monster themselves have a an essence or a character to them. They have a mischievousness or like they're completely bloodthirsty. There's something to that actual monster. But this one, he was just kind of like a thing that just would interrupt scenes to grab you very slowly. Yeah, and I guess there was also like an implied agility about him. Like he'd go up a tree really quickly, but every time we see him, it was just kind of walking. Yeah, because they couldn't do that effect because they had yeah. a big rubber monster suit. <laughs> I, yeah, I like those four things primarily about the film. Um, but the rest of it is lacking. There's lots of stupid decisions made. Um, by the characters and by the filmmakers and writers, things that left me completely puzzled. But the most important thing that drags the movie down for me being just, you know, not vibing with it as 100% is I just wanted better kills out of the movie. Like, that's the thing that these type of movies have to succeed at the most. And there's only one kill in the movie that I liked. And I was like, ooh, and I think you know what kill that is. Can you guess? Um, let's see. Hmm. Was it the one where he put the cross on the girl's forehead? No, Bartek, it's the one where he stabbed the guy with his own gun. <laughs> when he, How could I have gotten it wrong? When he grabbed the guy's rifle and stabbed it through him and lifted him up in the air and waved him about. That was, like, the only kill I thought was great. And even that, I wanted them to push it. I wanted him to shoot the gun whilst it's already through him just for that extra cheese factor. But, no, he just, like, throws him off and we walks off very, very nonchalantly. Mm. 
Um, but you know, I don't want to bag the movie. I want to keep talking about some some positive uh, aspects of it. So. You walked into this having seen that scene, but uh, and I guess having given been given somewhat of an overview of what you were to expect in some way, shape, or form. But how did you feel seeing the story unfold the way it did? Yeah, I really didn't know the lore of Pumpkinhead either, so it was all generally a surprise, other than like that one scene and the fact that the old lady existed. Like, there were moments where he asked that one guy about her, and he's like, oh, she, she, don't worry about that. I was like, oh, there is an old lady. I remembered right, and she has a thick southern accent, and then when we met her, it was true. <laughs> um, you, you were right about the visuals. I remember there were two moments where they had, like, a sort of first-person, slightly shaky cam uh, walking shot. Mm. Uh, it was the one, the first one was when they were heading, when Lance Henriksen was going to the old lady's house and walking up to it. You got this real sense of like, oh man, this place, this is a real house that they actually went to. Um, mm. The slow moving of the camera like indicates his wariness. Um, and I thought that was really cool. Mm. Uh, the second one, I can't remember, but it was much later in the film and it was one of the victims as they were walking. Yeah. Um, yeah, so definitely a lot of the things that you said you liked, I definitely think were all positives. Mm. I liked the... Um... Not the setup of the movie, like the, the the cold open, that was fine. But I liked the the actual start of the movie with just Lance Henriksen and his son, just living life, you know, day to day. You know, their little back and forth, and his like little story about washing hands and feed the dog at his bowl. Like they were things that, if in another movie, those would have been. Um, setups for dramatic payoffs you know what I'm talking about but in this it's just kind of like all it is is showcasing their relationship and you know that's a mm-hmm. setup for how for the tragic you know payoff of the kid's death of course but I didn't feel it as overwhelmingly beating me over the head with their happy family and the kid's gonna die like I kind of knew the kid was gonna die I just had that feeling because of the dog but I liked their dynamic and their relationship, and I'm not used to seeing Lance Henriksen play a normal, everyday kind of guy. I'm used to him playing cops, I'm used to him playing androids, I'm used to him playing monsters, or ghouls, or demonic creatures, or, you know, lots of kind of other performance types that you would see within this genre but I'm not used to him being the 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 family guy protagonist with the son and he's just, you know, wanting to have a good... I'm not used to that. And obviously the film twists that to uh, the Lance Henriksen I know more, which is, you know, angry and bitter and rage-fueled and kind of psychotic a little and all of that. But I like that opener of of them just relaxing and enjoying each other. I like the way it was shot. It was nice and orange and yellow and it just had that nice feeling of that time of day and it was great and I wish that there was more of him and his son if I'm honest no I can agree with that yeah I didn't think the son was the best actor in the world but he served the purpose and uh yeah I just liked them and it was really abrupt when it cut from them to the college kids (laughs) Mm. 
Because I was like, oh, no, we're in one of these movies? Because this is, you know, for better or for worse, it depends if you're a fan of this. I'm not as huge of a fan of this. It's the the Friday the 13th type movie where you have the young people who are drinking and going to have sex and all of that, and all they do is serve as bodies. They're not characters, they're bodies to get killed. Yeah, uh- Earlier, when I called them teenagers, I was sort of leaning into the the idea of like the archetype of the teenagers mm. in the horror film who are just going to get killed, and you know, there's going to be some unlikable characters among them to sort of serve the purpose that we want them to get killed. Just the one unlikable character, though. The rest of them were they good held... people. Yeah, they held back with this this uh, this group. Yeah, yeah, I know, but also I wanted them to kind of push more with the group. I don't know. We'll talk about that as we go on, but I found it really really abrupt that because and I guess that's the intention, right? You're you're setting up, oh, here's the wholesome southern family, you know, father, son, the dog, country guy, country guy, and then hard cut to and we're going towards that 80s slasher movie type where you have the college kids who are drinking beers and driving their cars real fast and you're you're making those two worlds smash together and that is what the film is doing and uh, you know it does achieve it but it was kind of like when i saw those kids like you know those those young people i i, I watched it and i and i kind of groaned a little because i was just like no i don't want that but in the mm. end it served its purpose and i didn't absolutely despise it or anything but at the same time I didn't care for any of the, the those characters. Like I said to you before, one of the big strengths, and it's a big weakness too, is Lance Henriksen. Strength in terms of I liked seeing him, weakness in terms of when he's not on the screen. It's a weakness to the movie when he's not around. Yeah, and when we saw Lance Henriksen, there was only really two characters in the scene. It was him and his son and, I guess, the dog. With them, there's six of them. As the movie goes on, we hear all their names, but we don't really have them too established. Like, I know there was a religious girl, two of the guys were brothers, the main, the dick guy hmm. was, you know, he's on parole, but, you know, there's still two characters I haven't even mentioned, and I don't even really know what there is to them. Like, I don't know which ca- which two were a couple, I don't know, yeah, th- their dynamics and their characters aren't really as well established as... You know, everything that came before them, like the backstory, uh, the first eight minutes of the film, you know, we got a sense of like the child who grew up to be Lance Henriksen, what his family is like, what kind of conditions he grew up in. Well, then we see him mm. in the present. We understand his conditions there. All mm. of a sudden, yeah, these six characters come along as you groaned, you probably, it was because, you know, it's a cliche that these films have these kind of young people who are there to be bodies and we can already see that they're not being as established, um, yeah. or or at least as deeply established. So we kind of knew where it was going from there. You knew who was going to die at what point in the movie, and probably how. Like you knew that the the jerk guy with the leather jacket and the thick Italian accent that he was putting on, like "Hey, yo, what's so cool?" You know, you knew he was going to die the most gruesome, and he did. He got stabbed through with his own gun, and waved in the mm. air. Right, but. And you knew who... Oh, Bartek, you didn't mention the most important one. Girl who took photos and got to have the honour of being the final girl. 
You know, she was the most important mm-hmm. character out of those, and you didn't even mention her because that's how little of an impact she made. Yeah. Like her and the guy that got locked in the cupboard are the good go- are the good characters, and they got to live. And yet, you don't give a shit about them because there's nothing to them. Like you give a shit in the basic terms of they're good people because they were trying to do the right thing, but that's it. Like you know, you don't care about them. But you know, that's. Hand in hand with this type of movie, they are bodies, and the movie wants Lance Henriksen to be important, and he is. But and well, yeah, and even even Go these on. good people whose fates, you know, a lot of them lead to death. That's really just as a result of like Lance Henriksen in a moment of weakness. It's not especially like a punishment to them for what they did. But so yeah, you're right, and but I wish that the film explored that of. Lance Henriksen flew off, you know, he, 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 he went off and he committed this act that's marked these people for death. But he didn't know that they are actually good people who are trying to do the right thing, except for one of them, right? Like, but he didn't know that, and then he's unleashed this monster to ruthlessly kill them all. There's not that moment in the film in which the girl or any of them really confront him with the fact. They just kind of ask him, like, what's the go with the monster and stuff? And what's he going to do about it? But they don't actually ever have that juicy, dramatic moment in which the, 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 the bodies look him in the eye and throw it back on him that he's done this and that, that he shouldn't have done this. And, like, look, we're sorry. That was an accident and it was horrible what happened to your son. But we tried to do the right thing. But you, you're, you, you know, they don't have that moment in this movie. I was waiting for that moment, but it just never really came. Yeah, any any mention of like them trying to do the right thing was all when they were all alive and talking to each other. Yeah, and so the them being good people is the only redeeming factor to them because, you know, that's basic. But if they pushed that aspect even further with, like I said, they confront him and they even confront him with the fact that they are good people and that he has hurt good people um, who are trying to do the right thing uh, and that he is feeding into the cycle of violence. But no, we don't. and that would have fed in nicely to the end of the movie in which, spo- again, spoiler alert, it's revealed how the pumpkin head monster works, is that it's, you know, it's a cycle that now his pumpkin head buried in the, in the, in the grave. And that would have been a nice feeding into that idea of the feeding into the cycle of violence and in this horrible cycle of, of demon magic and all of that stuff. Wouldn't it? Yeah, you're right. But the film didn't have time for that because it needed to watch Lance Henriksen drive his pickup truck a lot. <laughs> Which were the best scenes mm. in the movie was Lance in his truck. Yeah, Lance, his dead son, and the truck. Oh, and sometimes the dog in the back. Mm-hmm. And sometimes... The... And sometimes no dead son, because he's been... Yeah, he's been buried, and sometimes buried. the redneck kid. Oh, yeah, that's right. Bunt, I think his name was. <laughs> what a great name for a character, huh? Yeah. And they were a fun character, and I liked his family, that the Wallace family, I'm pretty sure, right? Um, mm-hmm. They were cool. I liked them. I kind of wished that... 
it had more about Lance Henriksen dealing with them than these college kids. Yeah, when he talked to him, it actually gave a sense of, uh, you know, Lance Henriksen actually does live in a community. He doesn't just, mm. you know, live in a fruit stand in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, the family knows what's going on and they're acting in a certain way. You know, there's a lot of potential here. And I can see why this spawned a franchise of movies. I think the lore is so good that you can spin this off into many different directions. And I'm not too sure, you know, by the way that you've talked about it from that review and just via the IMDb ratings, it seems like the the sequels aren't nearly as, nearly as good as this or they don't expand upon the lore in a fascinating way. I don't know. I haven't seen them, but this idea... I've heard the second... I've heard the second one is so bad it's good. Oh, wow, okay. But... Um, I wonder if the pumpkin head monster in that one is Lance Henriksen at the end of this, like he has the necklace on. I don't know, but yeah, I think I read somewhere that like the second film isn't as well connected to the rest. But you know, maybe the third. Bummer, but I I think the lore is fascinating. Uh, but yeah, did you have a a favorite kind of uh, monster moment in the movie? Uh, favorite monster moment. Because this is a creature feature. Uh, it is a creature feature. Uh, he gave a very nice smile towards the end. <laughs> the monster did. <laughs> Shows that you know he's got a bit of a bit of a humanity to him. Smiling is always a good thing. Um, yeah, it, it was established that he's not a fan of crosses, but it, that he's not really weak to them. Like there was the moment where he was in the the ruined church hmm. building and he was just like you know grabbing the crosses and throwing them on the ground breaking them i like the hmm. breaking them yeah I, I like that moment i yeah showing that like you know you can't really stop him with a lot of the traditional things no no the only way to stop him is to kill yourself yeah kys mm. i i like that moment too because it showed you and again this is something i wish the movie did more that Pumpkinhead has a personality because he sees it, like he, he, you know, it's not even a proper cross. It's just two planks of wood that have fallen together, basically. And he sees it, he grabs it out of the wreckage, looks at it with disdain, smashes it, and then he's happy and moves on. It gives you an understanding that this thing has a sentience, it has a personality, it has things it likes and doesn't like. Um, and I, and I, I, I agree that was a favorite little monster moment. I like just that whole sequence too, because you know it's not going to work. One, because the church is like not even existing, like it's just rubble. But also you just kind of know that the pumpkin head is just this unstoppable force that's just not going to abide by the rules. Like at least I did, I had that feeling. And that was a nice mm. moment when he just, like, walks through the doorway and it just stopped there for a while. And they're like, hmm. And then it starts moving. They're like, okay, let's leave. <laughs> In a moment of slowness, it's a good chance to leave. Yeah, yeah. I also liked when... Another monster movie moment I liked was when the guy got on his on his, on his dirt bike and then it cuts and there he is just right next to him holding up the chain to the bike. <laughs> like I did that. That's true. Like it's gonna make a difference because all he does is just lift the guy up and throw him. <laughs> I can't remember. Did the, did that guy end up living? Yeah, he was alive like... at the end. He was crawling around, and 
yeah. all of that. He was fine. He just had like his leg busted up. He just had a boo boo. Because Pumpkinhead doesn't always kill you straight away. Sometimes he just drags you around for fun. Yeah, and puts a cross on your forehead. For certain people. For mm-hmm. irony's sake. And sometimes he'll drag you up a tree and just drop you on a rock. Like like a bird trying to eat something. Isn't that great? Mm, yeah, that yeah, it was very animalistic. Yeah, like I think the pumpkin head design is okay. It's fine, but it's to me it's not particularly uh, memorable or like I said, doesn't have as strong of a personality to it. It's 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 fine. What do you think of the actual look of Pumpkin Head? And were you disappointed that he didn't have a pumpkin head? Um, I think I might have, in the back of my mind, known what the design was. Um, but I did kind of walk in thinking like, oh, well, I wonder what the reason is for him being called Pumpkin Head. And the reason is because he was buried in a pumpkin patch or a place that mm. had pumpkin in the name. Mm. Um... Yeah, just like you, I thought it was fine. Uh, the facial features, I didn't expect them to be, you know, as defined. Mm. Like, I guess, and I haven't seen this, but like the xenomorphs in Alien, like they don't really have much in terms of a face, do they? It's kind of blank with a big mouth. Yeah, that's the point. And I guess, I guess there's there's more horror to that. Um, mm. I mentioned even earlier at near the end of this film, like he gives a little smile. Mm. Like that's not really so scary it was a little bit goofy so, but that's kind yeah, of what I these thought... eight that's what you want from an 80s monster movie right is some goofy cheese mm-hmm. your your slashes your monsters your horror like this is a, the ultimate kind of 1980s horror movie you know you have Lance Henriksen in it you have the music you have the fog machine that's always on you have the harsh blue lighting for nighttime you have the college kids who are drinking beers but also have rifles you know you have the monster that's a little bit cheesy it's a big rubber suit that's uh arms don't work properly and it smiles at certain times and does little parlor tricks when it needs to but not all the time and it's kind of like, if you're into the 1980s kind of cheese factor of cinema, this is a must-go-to for that. If you haven't seen Pumpkinhead and you like that type of experience, this is definitely one worth seeking out. Like, I kind of admire it for its um innocence, in a way. Like, this feels like a very quaint little horror movie. I don't know if you feel similar, but this feels very nice. I don't know. It's very odd. Yeah, there is a sort of simplicity or sincerity to it. It's yeah. It it you know it has a it has a law. It has a main character. It has defined uh, values. Uh, mm. It it plays out in you know typical horror beats. It's just. Yeah, it's solidly following the routine, and it's not an awful product at the end. So, yeah, there is a, there is an appeal to it, and I can definitely see why it is a cult classic. Mm. I guess it's just that I'm coming at it from someone who's not really an '80s horror fan. Uh, yeah, and I, you know, for for myself, I just kind of wish it had a stronger sense of personality 
in the as a whole film like the lore is interesting that's an interesting aspect and Lance Henriksen but the monster design not so much and the way it kills isn't particularly memorable or fascinating or gruesome or even funny like hence I was like when he stabbed the guy with his own gun that was funny and over the top and I wish it kind of pushed it more with him shooting the gun in the air while he's got the guy impaled on his own gun but you know, I kind of wish it had more of a of a unique personality because also the monster, he kind of kills everyone really quickly, like really quickly. Like in, in movies like this, it's the tension and the pacing of these kills and of these thrills that are very essential. But in this, he just like offs four of them in like ten minutes. Yeah, I, I guess um. I guess you mentioned earlier there is moments where, like, the moment where he captures someone and the moment where they where he kills them is a bit separated. But during the in between, we actually don't know if they're alive or dead. Mm. It's like when we saw the girl up in the tree before she was thrown down. It's like, oh, she's still alive. Oh, now she's dead. Yeah, but also like, I don't know. It just didn't work for me in those regards. I think. You know, this little old witch that lives in the woods and, you know, you pl- you pay this price and you become Pumpkinhead and Pumpkinhead is a demon from hell that is an assassin for you and that this town has been using it for generations and that the town has, uh, you know, protocols for what to do because if you interfere, then you're a part of it and I like that. And I like I keep saying, Lance Henriksen. Lance Henriksen is just a great actor, man. He's just so great. I mean, like you said, you're not as familiar with his work. You probably just know him best for Terminator, right? Terminator, and I've seen a Let's Play of Detroit Become Human. Oh, that's right. He's in that too, isn't he? But yeah, Terminator, right? Terminator. He's the smart Alec kind of cynical cop. Yeah. Yeah. And this. It's a very different type of performance in comparison to that, or in Aliens, where he's kind of, uh, you know, he's a, he's the android, um, and they play around with the expectations of an android character with him. But in this, it's just nice to see him be a guy who, you know, gets driven to anger and then regrets that choice. Um, and that he is a good guy, and he does the right thing at the end, and he pays the price, and uh, great. I liked also the idea of um, they feel each other's senses and pains when you sign up for the pumpkin head, and that's how you defeat Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. I thought that was great. I thought that was awesome. I think it fails at the end because he shot himself in the fucking temple, and yet he's still alive. Because they need her to kill him. Because they need her to be the hero. It would be not as... I guess it, for that 80s slasher monster film, film, you need the final girl to be the hero in that regard. But then just Lance Henriksen... Lance Henriksen won because he shot himself in the head. Has kind of... Because he's that manly. Yeah, I guess that's less uh, sim- cinematically um, pleasing. To me it is, but I guess... In that general sea of these 80s horror movies, it's not. 
maybe maybe if the uh the final survivor was a bit more well established then it would have fit a bit better but yeah maybe if her and Lance Henriksen had a stronger dynamic and relationship and understanding of one another maybe if it wasn't yeah, her it was the hillbilly kid because we understood who he was and we understood he had a relationship with Lance Henriksen and it would have made it more all the more tragic that he had to kill Lance because he was the reason that Lance was able to do this in the first place yeah, or you could have had the person who kills him be the one that stayed behind when Lance Henriksen picked up his son. Because that guy gets killed off, you know, immediately. Well, not immediately, but he's the first one to die. Yeah. Um, and it kind of just felt kind of, you know, nebulous that he was the one that was there with Lance Henriksen. Well, no, Lance looks at his body later and is feeling regretful about it. Okay, yeah, that's true, but... No, no, it doesn't well, mean anything, because could... that character wasn't yeah. a character. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If the survivor was maybe that character, then there could have been, you know, like a bit of... I know it's not their first meeting, but like a sort of bookend. Like, oh, we parted ways at this point, and now we're meeting here at the end. Is it weird to you that in this movie, his son gets killed by the the dickhead guy, and Lance Henriksen never finds out that that was the guy that did it, and that when Lance meets that guy... Him and the guy actually have a very solid relationship and try to kill the pumpkin head together. Like, is that weird to you when you think about it? Now that you mention it, yeah, it is a bit weird. Right? It was actually kind of weird even that the guy kind of had a turn where he realized, you know, that he fucked up. Um, I, th- I thought that was okay, but again, expand upon that. It was that. okay, yeah. That's yeah. That's what I was getting at. It, it was kind of abrupt. I it happened conveniently when they were getting killed. So that's why. Like his whole thing was that, you know, he he doesn't want to you know lose his parole, go back to jail. Um, and the big you know irony or the big bad thing about it is that the things that he is doing is much worse than just admitting that he did this one thing that was wrong. Mm. Um, and it was just building up on it, and we thought like. You know, his fate was going to be that he keeps trying to run away from this one thing he did, piling up more sins, and then he ultimately dies. But no, he he does that, then he realises he did wrong, and then he dies. That would be an arc, and we can't have those college kids have an arc. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun, cheesy movie, but I just did find it disappointing in a lot of ways, and... It's so stupid, too. Like, I guess unapologetically stupid, but also, like, contrived stupid. Like, I don't know, there were just so many weird moments and choices. Like, for instance, um, the guy who waited with the kid and waited for Lance Henriksen to come. I think his name was Steve. Don't care. Steve. Thank you, actually. No, I do care. Stevie boy. Is, wasn't a human in that... Like, he was acting like a human when he was like, I'll do the right thing and wait for a kid because he has compassion and empathy. But then he completely lost me. And I don't know why the film made this choice other than just to draw out the tension. And that's so weird because the movie, I think, fails, doesn't even attempt at drawing out tension when it comes to the monster stuff. But I guess for the ultimate reveal that uh, when Lance Henriksen finds out that his son has been hit is... Lance Henriksen drives his pickup truck in. He, you know, Steve sees the pickup truck. Lance Henriksen gets out of his pickup truck. And then he walks into the store. 
Steve is just sitting there quietly. He doesn't yell yeah. out. He doesn't run over. He doesn't call him over. He waits for Lance Henriksen to come out and start investigating. What was that? Well, his first thing actually was just a silent wave. Mm. It wasn't even like he was jumping up and down, waving both hands, being like, you know, as big as he can be on this horizon. It was just this very, you know, quiet, understated reaction. And then he waits like 15 minutes to tell him it was an accident. He just sits there quietly. Like, I know you could want Lance to, you know, like I know in the moment you may say like, oh, it was him being respectful of letting Lance, you know, understand the situation for himself by like, you know, letting him react to the sun. But at the same time, I'm a human. If I was in that situation, I would immediately start talking and being like, look, I'm so sorry what happened. This is what happened. But instead, he just sits there quietly. Especially since the other college kids, you know, definitely had a sense of urgency about them. Like, we need to act as soon as possible. You know, they weren't just going to be like, let's wait. And then when he comes, wait some more. It was bizarre. It was lots of choices like that. Or the asshole guy. Uh, that asshole guy. Like, I understood what he was doing. But like you said, abrupt change. But also, he makes a choice, which is to hit his friend over the head with a piece of wood. the fr- And then lock his friends in this cupboard and all of that. And as soon as they're released, it's convenient that that's when the monster is attacking. So that way we don't have to worry about drama between that group. Because they're all mm-hmm. unified and trying to survive. Yeah, there's not really much time for confronting each other about, you know, what, what a dick move you why, So why did they do that then? Like, other than we need to extend this, like, there's logistic reasons, but really, I just go, there's so many moments for character drama and character dynamics and, and, and character stuff here, like with Lance Henriksen if they confronted him, or like that moment if the friends were having internal strife because this guy literally assaulted them and then locked them in like prisoners. I was actually thinking that he killed that guy originally when he hit him over the head. And I was like, ooh, this is getting dark. And I thought, this is a comedic example, but there's the film Very Bad Things in which... um, a group of guys on the box night accidentally kill a stripper, and Christian Slater's character um, becomes the the, the 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 like alpha male in the group who's trying to cover it all up, and he becomes more psychotic as the movie goes along. And I was kind of thinking, oh, is this going to be the case? Like this guy is going to be the real monster in the group? But then, no, he's fine. He's actually an all right guy, except for when he killed the kid. Yeah, once he gets his act together. It was a little, like you keep saying, a little lackluster, a little disappointing, a little, you could flesh this out. This is a movie I could see being remade today, but I also don't want that because I know that they would use special effects and not practical effects. Yeah, and isn't there like a stigma with like modern horror movies where they make everyone like really unlikable and... They, you wouldn't really have, like, lighter moments, like, when the sun was alive. Yeah, or... It'd be a bit more bleak. Or it would be a nostalgia fest. Of, remember the 80s? Because they would set it in the 80s. Yeah. For no reason. Other than this was an 80s movie. But, like, you know, like, as much as we say it is a very 1980s movie, the movie, it doesn't matter that it's set in the 80s. It could have been set in the 50s doesn't matter it was that it was just then present time exactly 
the town was so backwards it could have still been the 1950s. You know? They're still mm-hmm. driving old pickup trucks that are, like, ancient and, uh, you know, but yeah, um, anything you want to highlight about the film? What was something that didn't work for you? Um, yeah, it really was just the whole, uh, I almost called them teenagers again, yeah, the, the college kids, there were just not as much flesh there as I wanted. <laughs> In all definitions of the word. You wanted to see some titties. Okay, I didn't think of that definition, but sure, why not? That's exactly how it sounded. These young kids, there wasn't enough flesh in all the meanings. In in my... In my head, I was thinking like, "Oh, you can, you can interpret that as like gore or you know, fleshing out characters." But then you mentioned titties. I'm like, "Yeah, that's what it sounded like, didn't it?" <laughs> you perv. <laughs> Accidental perv. Sure, that makes it even worse. <laughs> I know. I'm a. I'm a wreck. He's a wreck. Be careful around me. And remember, I'm the invisible Bartek. He's the invisible Bartek, so you don't know what he's doing. Uh, yeah, I. Or if I'm even there. Yeah, I think my big flaw is just I w- the kills needed to be more about character. They needed to focus a lot more on the potential of these characters. Because even though the college kids are your stock standard characters in these type of movies, they those type of characters can still work if you give them some more stuff. Like, as bad as they can be and as silly as they can be, these type of characters, there are memorable ones. Like, there's one from, I don't remember which Friday the 13th, I want to say part 4 or 5, I can't remember. Quiz me, and I will not know, but there's one where there's a guy, like this black guy, whose whole thing is that he needs to go to the toilet because he's eaten too much chili stuff or whatever. And I remember him <laughs> because that was so silly, and but he was so memorable because of that. Like, he's just like... You know, like, oh, no, I got the squirts or whatever. And he gets killed going to the toilet. I remember him because there was something memorable about him. But these characters, there was, like you said, there's one that's a random Christian girl. I didn't really know that she was that until, like, the movie demanded it and she was praying. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Like, I don't remember in the opening sequence that that was something established about her. Maybe if we watch it again, she'll, like, have a cross around her neck or something yeah but you know that doesn't mean necessarily much does it like there are plenty of i know but it would be like the film's like version of like oh look it was established but even then i'm again it's just an assumption um are you interested in seeing more of the Pumpkinhead universe the pcu the pcu Pumpkinhead cinematic universe. like that name <laughs> um well, since I've heard the next one is so bad it's good, there's, you know, merit there. But in terms of a genuine one, yeah, I would like to see where it goes. Uh, it established its law, its premise. It's one of those ones where, you know, in horror films, uh, the the cycle of what makes the killer operate hasn't been thwarted, so it will come again. Mm. Um, I would be interested in seeing if they could have, like, a genuine follow-up where it is, like, you know, maybe Lance Henriksen's pumpkin head. You know, it could be interesting. I wonder what the witch gets up to, like, in between the times oh, where yeah, she, yeah. like, raises the pump. Like, what does she do? What do you think she gets up to up there? Like, she's just sitting around. What do you think she does in her spare time, you know? Like, 
not every day people are raising demonic creatures, wanting them to be raised by you. So what should, what did, like, she doesn't have a TV. She didn't even have any books around. Like, what do you think she gets up to? Well, she has, well, she has some silver coins. She has an owl. She has a rat. You can probably work out some fun activities with those three. <laughs> a lot of the things you say today come across as dirty to me. I don't know why, but that just is like, she's these things. Uh, you can imagine what she could get up to with those. And I'm like, sexual for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make that really childish and wholesome, but all right. I think it's just because you've had a streak of weird sex stuff happening that I can't help but think of that. And the more wholesome you try to be, the more perverted it becomes. It's that law. Okay, well, don't ask me to describe the child anymore, or else we might get into bad The Stuart situations. Little kid who became buff? It's like that question well, that It's like that question we asked about Baby's Day Out. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought of. Like, we didn't talk about Stuart Little kid, we talked about Baby's Day oh, Out. Oh, but we've talked about Stuart Little a lot without actually having covered Stuart Little, because it's written by M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, we should do it next week. Okay, Spooky Month. Continuing on with Stuart Little <laughs> and Stuart Little 2 and the third one, which was animated, and it was weird. Dude, Stuart Little and the washing machine was scary. I'll take your word for it. Uh, I don't really have much else to say about Pumpkinhead. I would recommend it, although I didn't find it as as overwhelmingly spooky or horrific. It has a neat lore to it. Lance Henriksen really is as great as we say. Like, when he's not on screen, you miss him. It's nice to see him in this type of role. He was really fit. I didn't expect that when he took his shirt off at the beginning. I was like, geez, Louise, Lance. You've been selling some fruit. You've been... Wow. Um, um, I, you know, it's not the, the greatest horror movie. Um, I think there are definitely some better monster movies and, and cult classic type horror movies that you could go to, but this does really capture this time of year very well. It does really have that Halloween-y type atmosphere a lot. I also really appreciated the fact that there were practical effects. I appreciated the fact that there were sets and that there were real locations used, that this wasn't dated by the CGI. Like, it's dated in a lot of ways, for sure. Like, the monster stuff, like, uh, it it, it does date it because I don't think the practical effects are actually that amazing because uh, I think... Stan Winston doesn't didn't know how to like light them as well as you could, um, but it's a you know it's still uh, it's cheesy fun and if you like these kind of eighties monster movies, it's worth checking out. Bartek? No, I agree with what you said. It's it does have a simplicity to it. Uh, things work about it, and all the things that you know we we can criticize. Um, <clears throat> I feel like it's just, you know, part of the experience. It's, it's a film that has, uh, the four things you said, you know, good hero, good sort of villain, the old lady, uh, visually it's great, and whatever the fourth thing hmm. was, I completely think that's the best part of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's your turn now, Bartek, to recommend a movie for next episode on our Spooky Month Spectacular. What are you hitting us up with? Yes, next week I want us to jump up to 1997 and do the film Perfect Blue, which is a Japanese anime film directed by Satoshi Kon, who we previously did uh, Tokyo Godfather. Is this a spooky movie? 
Yeah, it's a psychological thriller. I didn't, yeah, I guess I didn't realize. Like, I know of it, but I don't know actually anything of it. Like, I know that this is the one that's heralded as, like, his best, I, I do believe. It's my favorite one. I don't know what people generally think, but I think it's I think really it's good. one of those ones where people are like, this is his best, and then is it Paprika is the one that Inception took from? Yeah. That's Allegedly. that's kind of what I know of his work now is is uh the Perfect Blues is perfect movie and then Paprika's the one that Inception stole from. That's all I like, you know. Yet uh, I like mm-hmm. Millennium Actress. Uh, I watched that in the interim. Uh, so it'll be good to come back to visit him. We'll of course be watching the subtitled version of the film. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if I've asked this, but are there dub versions of his movies? I know that Perfect Blue. I know Perfect Blue does have a dub with real actors, or just you kind of, you know. I think. I think uh, general like voice actor people from America. Okay. In it, so know. Perfect Blue, what year was that again? 1997? 97. Cool. So we'll be watching that. So strap on in, uh, listening people, for that one. Make sure to find a copy, check it out. It, um, yeah, I'm excited to see it. I've been, yeah, he's one of those ones that you introduced me to that I'm glad of. Uh, I didn't really know much of his stuff. Um, uh, so it'll be interesting to see this one finally, uh, the big talked about one. Yet I don't know much about it. So, yep, uh, listening people, you can find us on the social medias, Facebook and Twitter. Hit us up on there. You can find us by just typing in Spit and Polish Presents. Let us know your feelings, your thoughts, your concerns, uh, and even recommendations for, for future movies to cover on this, because as you heard, this was a listening people's suggestion. Uh, you can hit us up on our, uh, on our email, which is spitandpolished at gmail.com. You can chat to us on there, recommend the movies, all that stuff. And remember to rate and review us on whatever podcatcher gives you that ability to do. Uh, Bartek, um, I got a question for you. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a multiple choice question. Are you ready? Those are easy. I can get it right. Okay. Easy. Uh, okay. So, um... What is the name of what is the sub name of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2? Is it A, Secret of the Ooze, B, Secret of the Spoos, or C, Secret of the Pumpkin Head? You're calling back to something from last week. Yeah. Or am I? What's um, the answer? Uh, well, I think it's clearly Secret of the Spoos, because I think I said that last time. Yes, week. you nailed it, and your prize is nothing. Um, I'm sorry 2020 has made it so that I can't give you a prize. That's the ultimate sh- spooky. <laughs> That's the ultimate spoos of this episode. <laughs> no, it's true. This this year has been, uh, you know, highlighted by a whole lot of nothing. Well, until next time, listening people... Here is an hour or an infinite amount of nothing.